You are listening to Episode 1 of Half Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 1, St. Cloud Orbital, 2352, February 19. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. A classic good news, bad news scenario if ever there was one. My name is Ishmael Horatio Wong, but when the captain summoned me to her cabin, I figured my name was Mud. I thought the good news was that the McKendrick Mercantile Cooperative had gotten off to a tremendous commercial start in St. Cloud. I thought the bad news was that one of the members of the co-op had been involved in a fight with the local authorities. I was pretty sure Captain Chagone was going to have something to say to me about it, as one of the ringleaders who got the co-op up and running. She did, but it wasn't what I expected. She had a way of doing that to me. Pip, that would be Philip Carstairs, my friend and co-conspirator in starting the co-op, caught up with me just as I was about to knock on the captain's door. You got someone too, he said. Yeah, you know what she wants, I asked. And he shook his head, and we both took deep breaths. I knocked. Come, the captain said. Pip opened the door, and we marched in, trying not to look guilty of whatever it was we were there for. We stopped inside the door and braced to what passed for attention on a merchant freighter. Pip did the honors. Attendants Wong and Carstairs reporting as ordered Tsar. It did not bode well. They were all there, Captain Jagone, of course, and Mr. Maxwell, the first mate. I expected Mr. Maxwell, but Mr. Kelly, the chief engineer, and Mr. Cotton, the cargo master, they were a surprise. All the senior officers of the ship were there, and all those officers were looking at Pip and me in a manner I could not quite identify. Something between fresh meat and dead meat. It did not bode well at all. The captain said, Thank you for coming, gentlemen. We have a situation that we need your help resolving. Pip and I glanced at each other quickly. We were both trying to figure out which we the captain was referring to, and for that matter what resolving either Pip or I might be capable of doing. Yes, sir, I said. We'd be happy to help. I had no idea what i just committed us to, but it wasn't like we, that would be the Pip and me we, had a lot of choice in the matter. Mr. Carstairs, the captain said. I've had reports from Mr. Maxwell and Mr. Cotton that you've been using the galley stores account to engage in trading over the last two ports. Yes, sir, Pip said. Cookie and I have been working on reducing the overhead burden of ship's mess on the operating budget. How's that worked out, Mr. Carstairs? she asked. I'm not sure, sir. I haven't seen the final accounting for St. Cloud. At Marguerite, I think we broke even, Pip answered. Broke even, the captain asked. Yes, sir, I think we took in enough in trade to pay for mess operations and still feed the crew in the manner to which they've become accustomed, Pip replied. We prided ourselves on the quality of food on the lowest McKendrick. You think, the captain prodded him. Yes, captain. Pip was sweating a little. I could see the gleam on his temple. Cookie thinks we actually turned a small profit, but my number said we broke even. We're still debating it, Pip said. And for the St. Cloud leg, she probed. I don't know, Captain, Pip said. I've been tied up with a co-op and haven't seen the latest figures on the coffee trading. I see, she said. And then she turned to me. Mr. Huang, I've heard a report that you've actually taken and passed all four divisional half-share rating exams in the five months since you've been aboard. I was pretty sure she knew the answer to that, since it was on file in my personnel jacket, so I just played along. Yes, sir, I said. And what will you do now that you have those ratings, Mr. Huang? 
Well, I wasn't planning to do anything in particular, Captain, I said. I, I was just trying to see if there was a division I might like more than Steward. And you were worried that you might get stuck ashore, she prompted. Well, not worried so much, sir, I replied. More like hedging my bets against unfortunate circumstances. And do you want to leave the Lois? she asked. No, sir, I responded, perhaps too vigorously. I like it here. I have friends here. And I shut my mouth and clenched my teeth so I wouldn't blurt out anything more ridiculous like, please don't make me leave here. Pip and I traded glances again. Neither of us had a clue where this was all heading. The captain studied us for a few heartbeats. I'm sure it was a smaller number for her than for me. But finally she glanced around the table at the officers and gave a little nod. Mr. Maxwell swiveled his gaze in Pip's direction. The first mate was a deliberate man. He did everything for a reason. He had a reputation for being so robot-like that some considered that an insult to the warmth and personality of robots generally just to be compared to him. Personally, I liked him and trusted him as much as any person I'd ever known. Mr. Carstairs, you recently passed the cargoman exam and are qualified to take a full-share cargoman berth. The Andrew W. Mellon is docked here in St. Cloud and has posted a berth for which we're prepared to give you the highest recommendation. Would you like to pursue it? Pip blinked. Sir? I could hear the confusion in his voice. Frankly, I was just as confused as he was, but the theater of the absurd currently playing out in the captain's cabin was getting really interesting. Pip, the Mellon has an opening for a cargoman, the captain translated. If you want it, we'll help you get it. Have I done something wrong, sir? He finally asked. Mr. Maxwell and the captain exchanged a look. I have no idea what it might have been, but I would recognize it again if I ever saw it. Mr. Maxwell finally said, No, Mr. Carstairs, in fact, you've done very well by the Lois, and we want to do what we can to help you. This is a legitimate opportunity, one of many, and I wanted you to know about it before we offered you another one. Myself, I was having trouble breathing by then. I kept waiting for the shoe to drop about the fight in the flea market, and they kept talking about opportunities. Sir, I'm with Mr. Wong. I like it here. I want to work with Cookie on stores and see just how much good we can do. The captain said, So, you'd rather work here as a quarter-share steward than transfer to the melon and work full-share cargo? Is that what you're saying? Pip shrugged. Yes, Captain. It sounds silly when you put it like that, but I like what I do here. Mr. Cotton spoke up then. You have amazing skills. Yeah, Mr. Carstairs, but I must tell you what you already know. Yeah. We have no openings in cargo for a cargoman at the moment, and we're not likely to have one any time soon. Yes, sir, Pip said. I'm aware of that. You have a good crew, and I know they all like it here as much as I do, but I wouldn't be able to do the kinds of trading on the melon that I can do here with Cookie. And the co-op is just getting started, too. It's okay, sir. I don't need a cargo slot. I just need to be able to trade. There was another weird little pause while the officers all nodded at each other, and then Mr. Kelly turned on me. Mr. Huang, I've been getting reports from the environmental section that you're spending time down there. Yes, sir, I answered promptly. You spent your breaks from galley duty to help them scrape sludge, he asked. Well, just once, sir, I said, but I'd be happy to help them again. Spec 1 Smith reports that you aided Spec 3 Ardell in swapping out the algae matrices for the number 3 scrubber, he said. Yes, sir. She needed a hand, and I was free for a couple of stands. It was sort of fun in a slimy, wet, and mucky kind of way. Miss Smith also reports that you have some odd ideas about sludge, Mr. Wong. Would you care to share one or two of them? Well, sir, I thought perhaps we could use it as a base for compost. Compost, 
he said. Yes, sir. At Margery, I had an opportunity to visit a mushroom farm with Spec 3 Ardell. They grow all their mushrooms in a slurry made of hydroponic waste and chipped sludge. And you thought we might grow what? he asked. Well, I don't know, sir. I was just interested in the idea. Lettuce, maybe, or spinach. Maybe mushrooms. They don't seem to need much tending. I see, he said. And did you enjoy working in the environmental section, he asked. I considered that for a bit before answering. Yes, sir. Yes, I did. Brill, er, uh, Ms. Smith and Miss Ardell and Mr. Gartner, too. I've worked with all of them, and yes, I enjoyed it. The weird little pause and nod episode happened again. Finally, the captain said, Okay, gentlemen, here's the problem. Pip, you deserve a chance at Cargoman. Your stores trading for St. Cloud gave us a net profit of close to 35% on our store's budget. Not only did you cover the cost of feeding the crew for the last five weeks, but you generated a very respectable surplus. Part of that is because we had a short hop over here for Marguerite, and part's just plain shrewd horse trading. You do us proud, Pip, and I'm grateful. The problem is I don't have a cargo slot to offer you. And there's another little problem we have to deal with. Spec 3 Avery. I'm sorry about that, Sar, I started. I don't know what happened at the co-op. The captain cut me off. Oh, I don't care about that, she said, waving a hand as if to shoo away a pesky fly. He's always been a hothead. More to the point, the tanker Audrey Moore has just hired him to work in their environmental section. So we're short-handed. I didn't know that, Sar. I knew he wanted to get onto a tanker, though. He mentioned it. Personally, she said. I hope he enjoys it. But that leaves us with a problem, and here's the solution that we want you gentlemen to help us with. Mr. Kelly turned to me then and said, Mr. Huang, I'm prepared to offer you an engineman slot in environmental. Miss Smith has been consulted and is most enthusiastic. Are you interested? Well, yes, sir, but what about the galley? Mr. Maxwell answered that with, We have several quarter shares available to us here in St. Cloud. Mr. Kelly continued, we know you don't have the knowledge that Avery takes away, but the section crew down there can't say enough good things about you, and they want you, if you want to go. I looked at Pip then, because I felt bad. I was getting promoted when he actually outrated me, and he'd been a quarter share for almost two full stanyards, while I'd barely been aboard for five months. The captain interrupted my consideration by saying, We have another job in mind for Mr. Carstairs. We both looked back at her. Mr. Maxwell swiveled his gaze back in Pip's direction. Mr. Costas, your work in the galley stores has contributed greatly to the welfare of the ship. While we cannot offer you a cargoman position in the cargo division, we have some flexibility as far as your current berth goes. We need you to stay in the galley and help Cookie break in a new attendant, but we're prepared to raise your salary to scale for cargoman, along with a full share in mass quota, with the proviso that you continue basically doing what you've been doing since Gugara. My brain vapor-locked at that point, but Pip, ever the wheeler-dealer, asked, just so I understand it, I'm going to stay attendant rank on the books, but you're going to pay me as cargoman, give me full share in cargoman mass allotment? Mr. Maxwell smiled. Yes, Mr. Carstairs, precisely. The captain spoke up then. So you see, we have good news and bad news, gentlemen. The good news is that you, Mr. Huang, get a new job and don't have to make the coffee anymore. The bad news is that you, Mr. Carstairs, have to stay in the galley and train another quarter-share hand. Pip and I looked at each other for a second before he turned back to the gathered officers. Well, he said, I did pretty well with the last one.
As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Chapter 2, St. Cloud Orbital, 2352, February 19. When we got out of the captain's cabin, it was time to help Cookie fix lunch, so Pip and I headed for the galley. My head was reeling, and I was actually looking forward to getting on with the in-port lunch routine. It was our third full day in port, and I expected we'd see a good turnout for lunch because the crew had begun to run out of creds, or interest, in the orbital. When we got to the galley, Cookie was already in full steam ahead mode. Ah, good, gentlemen, he greeted us. Who finished with the captain then? You're stuck with me, Cookie, Pip told him with a grin. But Ishmael here is going to go play with Sludge as soon as the captain finds a replacement. I suspected that would be the outcome, Cookie said. Congratulations on your pending promotion, Ishmael. I knew you'd be moving up very quickly. But in the meantime, we must get some meats and cheeses laid out. I'm on it, Cookie. I glanced at the chrono. We're a bit later than normal, but nothing we couldn't cope with. I'll make up a fresh urn of coffee, Pip volunteered. Do we have any coffee left, Cookie? he asked. The captain said the trades gave us rather a large surplus in the store's account. Cookie grinned broadly at that. Yes, I managed to hold on to a few buckets, but the prices were actually up a bit from what we saw when we docked. There's some more trades I'd like to talk with you about, but after lunch, he said, glancing at the chronometer himself. We turned to our assigned tasks, meshing into the familiar pre-lunch pattern, and lunch was up and ready five ticks before noon. The rich aroma of Cookie's mushroom soup filled the mess deck and elicited more than a few compliments. Standing there in the galley afterwards, it suddenly struck me that I'd not be part of the galley crew much longer. Five months before, I'd come aboard with no idea what I was supposed to do, and less idea about why I should be doing it. Now I was just a little sad that I'd be leaving my first real job aboard. Cookie must have sensed my mood because he stepped up beside me and patted me on the shoulder. You've done well here, young Ishmael, he said with a warm smile. If nothing else, you've managed to teach Pip how to make coffee. We both laughed at that, just as Diane Ardell rushed onto the mess deck. She hurried over to us and asked, Did you hear that Gregor's gone? Well, I heard he was going, I said. Has he already left? Just a few ticks ago, she said. Packed up his duffel and checked out. Brill's meeting with Mr. Kelly about a replacement. 
Cookie and I shared a glance, but Diane caught it. What? she demanded. You guys know something? Well, I said, I heard you're getting some greeny half-share engineman with no experience to replace him. Damn it, she swore. We're running close enough to shorthanded down there already. Why can't we get somebody with some background? Cookie chuckled and said, I must get the pies out of the oven, and he bustled off. I understood her frustration and really hoped she wasn't going to have the same opinion when she found out exactly which greeny half-share engineman was being transferred into her section. About then, Brilliantine Smith, the environmental section lead, came onto the mess deck. She smiled and waved when she saw Diane talking with me, then proceeded to fill a lunch tray. On her way to find a table, she stopped to talk. Diane pounced. I just heard we're getting some greeny engineman to replace Gregor. I bit my lip and Brill stifled a laugh. News travels fast, she said. The guy has been gone half a stand, and already we've got rumors about his replacement. Well, what did Mr. Kelly have to say? Diane pressed. Do you know who it is? Yeah, Brill shook her head in dismay. I'm afraid the rumor's true. They've already offered Gregor's birth to an engineman, and he's accepted. But I understand he has at least a little experience. Oh, really? Diane asked warily. What's his background? Brill looked at me then, and I said, Well, I've worked a little with sludge, and I'm pretty familiar with changing out algae matrices. Diane looked at me and back at Brill, who was grinning broadly now, and then back at me again. It's you, she finally exclaimed. I nodded, and Brill confirmed it. Yep, I tried to get somebody better, she said, but we had to take what we could find on short notice. We watched Diane's face run through a whole range of emotions as the reality of it sunk in. It's you? She said again, and then she slugged me in the arm. You sludge monkey. You set me up for that. I shrugged and smiled. I hope you're not too disappointed that you're only getting a greeny engine man, I teased her. I'll tell you, when the captain hit me with it this morning, I was just as surprised then as you are right now. We settled at a mess table so Brill could eat her soup before it got cold. I talked to Mr. Kelly this morning right after Gregor told me, she said. I thought we'd have a bit more time, but the Audrey's getting underway first thing tomorrow, and... They wanted him aboard immediately. Well, we're not too far behind that, Diane said. How's this all going to work? I shrugged. I'm just doing what I'm told, I said. I'm supposed to stick here until I get a replacement. Mr. Maxwell seemed to think that wasn't going to be difficult. Brill agreed. St. Cloud is a good place for picking up quarter shares because working on Mummy's sheep ranch or Daddy's fishing boat isn't all that much fun. Like all company planets, there's not a lot of options down there. Amen to that, I added. Having started on a company planet myself, I knew only too well how limited they were. So, what has to happen to make this as smooth a transition as possible, I asked. Brill finished her soup and sighed in satisfaction. Then, focusing on the question at hand, replied, We need to get you transferred over to engineering birthing to free up the bunk space for the greenie. It took me a moment to realize that by greenie, she didn't mean me. After being the junior member of the crew for the last five months, that was a title I could live without. What's involved in that, I asked. Diane shrugged it off. Oh, that's nothing. Just go over to engineering birthing, claim an empty bunk in a locker, move your stuff in. Strip the linens off your old bunk and reset the palm lock on the locker there when you're done. That's about it, Brillo agreed. We'll update the ship's records all at once when you officially transfer to the section. She smiled at me and stood up, clearing the table on her way. Well, I better get back and finish the paperwork, she said. Thanks, Brill, I told her. She just smiled and nodded and headed back to environmental. Ish, Diane said softly. I am... I'm sorry for the nasty comment earlier. What nasty comment, I asked. Well, about getting somebody without any background. Oh, that. Are you still upset now that you know who this greeny engineman really is? I asked. 
She shook her head. No, I'm delighted. I was just afraid we'd get somebody who wouldn't fit in. Are you sure? I pressed. I know I don't have anything close to Gregor's background. Oh, don't count on that, she said quietly. You already have a better feel for it than Gregor ever will. I shrugged. The reality is the department is losing a spec three and gaining an engineman, I said. You guys are going to have to babysit me every step of the way. Then it was Diane's turn to shrug. Maybe, but none of us thought about using sludge for compost. I think you're going to liven things up down there in Foggy Bottom. Foggy Bottom, I asked. Yeah, that's what Francis calls the section. It's so humid all the time, and down near the bottom of this ship, it's practically a swamp already. All we need are some frogs. Well, I told her, let me work on my ribbit. And she laughed. I helped Pip with lunch cleanup, and he filled me in on the status of our trades. The belts and buckles we brought all got good prices. Even the spare buckles sold well because of the leather goods they have here. Excellent, I said, rinsing out the soup kettle. What about the stones? I think we've moved close to 300 of them at anywhere from two to three creds apiece, he said. Your idea of buying that spool of leather thong material and threading them as necklaces was genius. I chuckled, remembering that first morning setting up. The booth across from us was selling raw leathers in various shapes. The guy had spools of narrow leather thong, and I bought 300 meters of it for 50 creds. Pip and I had purchased several kilos of smooth polished stones at Marguerite, our previous port of call, and each one was pendant-sized and was bored with a small hole widthwise through the top. The leather thongs fit perfectly and turned a raw stone into a necklace. We were hoping to get a cred apiece, but we were selling them for two and three times that, depending on the stone. Will we have any left to take on to Dunsany Roads, I asked. Pip grimaced. Well, we aren't selling any today, and a lot will depend on whether either of us gets liberty tomorrow. I sighed. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It's not going to be a problem. They'll sell just as well, if not better, at Dunsany, Pip said. Any idea on what we've made so far, I asked. He pulled out his tablet and started figuring. Between the belts, the buckles, and the stones, about 1,700 creds, he said finally. Not as good as Marguerite, but nothing to sneeze at. I gaped at him. You mean we have almost five kilocreds in private trade between Marguerite and here? Not a bad start, eh? He said, and laughed. Salary and shares only amounted to about 350 creds for the same period, so we were making about eight times our salary in private trading. Not bad. It was staggering. How's the co-op doing, I asked finally. Well, Francis has it covered today, Pip said, and Biddy has it tomorrow. We probably won't get a good settlement on it until after pullout, but as of last night, nine of the 17 people who wanted to sell there had sold out. Gregor had that squabble with security last night, but it was as we were packing up, so it didn't affect anything. We needed to make 64 creds to cover the booth costs for the whole stay, and we had over 100 as of last night. There's some big consignments going up today, and I think each of the managers will end up with at least 50 creds, and the co-op will have made 200. Depends on how today is going and what happens tomorrow, of course. I just shook my head and kept sweeping. I never in my wildest dreams expected it to work out like this, I told him. Back in Marguerite, when I said, let's rent a booth, it never occurred to me that we'd be at this point so fast. No kidding, Pip agreed. How are the stores trades going, I asked. We're all set for cargo on Dunsany Roads? Yeah, he said, we had that pretty well ironed out before we docked. The ship's trades are all taken care of in advance, and that includes the cargo containers as well as most of the ship's stores. We're not in port long enough to be able to mess around a lot doing deals on the ground after we arrive, not on the scale of trading that the lowest does. Thousands of metric tons would just take too long, he said. But two things aren't set yet. Mr. Maxwell's empty container and our private trading stocks. The empty container was a little game that the first mate had been playing with us since back in Gugara. Pip gave his recommendations for what to put in a hypothetical empty container, 
based on his trade analysis of the ports involved. Of course, what started out as a hypothetical empty container soon became 600 metric tons of cargo, and that had contributed in excess of 200 kilocreds to the ship's profit pool. What's the matter, I asked. Can't find enough cargo to fill a container here? Oh, there's plenty of cargo, he said, but there's no market in Dunsany Roads. St. Cloud and Dunsany are just too similar, and Dunsany's a hub system with three other systems within jump range besides St. Cloud. Well, where does St. Cloud sell its rice and fish? Oh, there's a good market for it in Marguerite, but we're going the wrong way for that. Same with the lamb and the wool? Yeah, basically, Pip agreed. Dunsany has the manufacturing base to process the grains and the wool, but the margins are pretty small on them. Coming back this way from Dunsany, it's the same problem. So where are we going after Dunsany, I asked. We filed for Betris, Pip said, but we're overdue for a last-tick redirection. We typically get pulled off our published course about every five systems. So how many ports have we been through since the last time that happened, I asked, finishing with a sweeping and helping him to secure the galley for the afternoon. Eight, Pip said. Averages are funny, though, and we could go a long time without being pulled off to a new course. It's something to consider. These alternate systems, what did you call them? Level one alternatives, Pip answered. Yeah, I said, the level one alternatives out of St. Cloud or what? Bink and Abelmarl, he responded instantly. Bink is heavy grav and specializes in metals and machining. Abelmarl specializes in systems and software. A lot of the astronics that go into the ships in the Manchester yards at Marguerite come out of Abelmarl. I put away the last of the lunch gear and headed out to make coffee. Now that I probably wasn't going to be doing it anymore, I didn't mind so much. Pip followed me out to the mess deck. Did you see anything you fancied for us to invest in up at the flea market, he asked. I shook my head. I didn't get a good look around because I was helping Roan with the booth all day. Same here, Pip replied. There were a lot of knitting goods, I said, and some very nice woven things. The local weavers do excellent work. I bet I saw eight or ten of them just on my way to the head and back. I wonder how many it would take to fill up an empty container, I mused. A lot, Pip chuckled. Six hundred metric tons. But... You know what we've completely missed? You mean besides lunch, I asked. No, I ate while you were flirting with Diane, Pip jibed back. We've both got more mass allotments. Well, not yet, I objected. Not until we get the promotions and such settled. Oh, that'll happen before we leave here. I'll bet the captain has a new attendant here by morning, Pip said. I pulled out my tablet and looked. Half share got an extra ten kilos, so my mass allotment was going up to thirty. Pip's was going up to fifty. Great gods! We're doubling our mass allotments between the two of us, I said. Yeah, Pip said. Kind of makes you want to go shopping, doesn't it? Thanks for listening to Episode 1 of Half Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. Music is from the Banks of Newfoundland, an Irish jig recorded in September of 1928 by Peter James Conlon and available on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandis, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 2.5 License. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.durandis.com golden. <laughs>